0: says uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all dances may accuse immediately after a guest. Yeah, that's dances what I just we just
1: said. It's okay, that's cool. Oh, I'm uh, yeah, Dracula. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm, interesting. <laughs> okay, here
2: we go. All right, here Good go. evening. I'm the
1: Swamp Thing. It's like, <laughs> you go
2: first, Fangs. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we bash, trap, and grapple our way through treacherous circuits to win in Titan Race. Next up, we bond our factions to gather the Amber Stones and unlock the mysterious vault in Keyforge. And lastly, we dance with the werewolf and grill the swamp thing to find out who's who at Dracula's Feast. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel.
3: Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein. Tricks are things that are to be taken, not played.
4: Hi, I'm Ed Povlietic. I'm not crazy about reality, but it's still the
1: only place to get a decent meal. Hi, I'm Joe Unfried, and as long as we're going to grill the Swamp Thing, can I bring the barbecue sauce?
0: Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I'm procedurally generated.
2: Our first game up this week is Titan Race, designed by Julian Elaine, published by FunForge in 2015. Number of players, 2 to 6, ages 8 and up, runtime, 30 minutes. Okay, initial observations on this find. Ed?
4: Draft dice to make the best of your options or deprive options from others to get ahead.
2: Evan?
3: I knew that titans clash, but I never knew that
1: they raced. Joe? I like how crazy all the titans look. The art and the wraparound board provides the feeling of speed like a cheetah with its tail on fire. Mike? A deadly race on the back of a cagey kaiju? Count me in.
0: (laughs)
2: giant monsters trying to race around a tiny board will there even be enough room to stretch my enormous talons well before we see if this race is too close for comfort evan tell us a little bit about how it's played
3: in titan race each player is a rider astride a titan racing on one of the many wild circuits of neverworld The game board is an infinite loop that wraps around at opposite sides. Each map has a specific feature that allows for interesting tactical maneuvers. Movement is governed by drafting dice from a pool rolled at the beginning of each round. If you choose a die that matches the color of your titan, you gain a life point. Ramming into another titan pushes them and deals damage. There's also ways to lay traps that will damage titans who encounter them. If you get knocked out, you're not out of the race. Just spend a turn resetting right where you were knocked out and you're back in. Each Titan has a special ability that can be activated once each round. Moving into certain bonus spaces on the circuit also grants players bonus cards that can be played for additional effects. In three brutal laps, you jockey for position, ram your opponents, and use your bonuses and your titans' abilities to be the first to race across the finish line, which is the goal of every titan, when you think about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're always on the run.
2: So, uh, size of the board versus size of the titans,
0: what did you guys think? I thought it was a nice tight space, which is great for any kind of race combat game.
3: It was anytime you're knocked off one side of the board and you get knocked over into the other side of the board, you know it's a tight you're in tight quarters. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: like very anime style, you know, like it's
2: <laughs> knocked through yeah. the world
4: and come out the other side. <laughs> totally. Well they're very special rules, they have special rules, you know, magic. Yeah, magic, see.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not so much talking about the uh like narrative explanation of why this space is so small, just the mechanics of whether or not it worked. Five of the thirteen special cards require you to be adjacent in order for it to work now you're not always adjacent to another titan and the goal is often to not be adjacent so that you are not a target
0: a lot of that depended on your board position sometimes if you're behind somebody some characters want to be behind somebody and adjacent to them so they can jump over them other characters want to be in front of somebody so they can lay a trap behind them or something like that
3: yeah, by the time I got my Titan into a position in order to take advantage of my special power, I was either already being knocked down or in a trap or some something else befell me that I wasn't able to really u- make use of my power very well.
0: Since you're the only one next to me, I'm going to use my Icy Punch. Pow-pow! Take a damage. i move it. you right over here into the lava. But congratulations. Actually, no. Right back here into the trap. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Icy Punch. Yoga flame. Uh, no, he's back
0: now. It's, for, it's better for him.
4: I think the tightness of the board does help to use the power, though, because uh, there's not that many spaces, so as uh, are somebody close to somebody. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The downside to that is that you don't really have a ton of control over where you move to because of the dice drafting. There's only so many types of maneuvers you can make. Mm-hmm.
2: There were quite a few boards to choose from, which is nice. So they each had different looking terrain. Uh, But I had a little bit of trouble seeing the actual spaces on the board because they were so busy and movement did not seem intuitive to me because of that.
0: I think some of the art on some of the other boards was a little more clear as to where you can move,
4: but on the board we played in particular, it was very hard to see. The options felt more limiting because you wanted to avoid the lava. You didn't want to take the path. that had you stepping in hot molten magma twice.
2: Dangerous terrain, I think is just a common factor in the game itself.
1: Yeah, I can see that the designers uh, were really trying to get an average playthrough of the game to include plenty of hazards and collisions. Yeah, we're definitely a, a minefield
4: by mid-game.
0: In a game like this, it's very hard to balance because the first person to go starts off with an advantage right off the bat. And the, some of the abilities didn't help with that either because sometimes being behind somebody isn't helpful for the power you have, which is to help you to stay in front.
2: Another thing that was difficult for me with movement was the custom dice. Now, I think we're all fans of custom dice Mm -hmm. in a game. Oh,
3: love custom dice. Right.
2: They're totally cool to look at. They're really fun to roll. But these particular dice, the the images on them, the symbology they used were not super intuitive. So there were some tricky parts to, I felt, using the dice as well.
1: I was basically confused every time I rolled the dice momentarily, but I just check the reference I don't remember whether it was a card or the rules itself but I was never never slowed my turn down
2: the rules are clear and if you read the rules you can follow it but you want your dice to be rolled and go you know especially in a race game so it it was a bit of a tiny bit of a slowing factor although custom dice still cool and they looked nice
0: because you were forced to move in at least one of the dice's directions, it kind of gave you that Robo Rally feel where you're kind of doing the dance like, okay, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go there and that's going to happen. No, wait, yeah. let me try this other one, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: although <laughs> unlike Robo Rally, it was never going so far ahead that you genuinely like, would brain fry before you knew it was going to happen.
4: Right. But also kind of like Robo Rally, it was a little fun to be pushing your opponents around a bit. I know what they were going for, the bumping into each
2: other, and I just feel like if they had made it more, uh, if they had made us want to be closer more often, I think it would have freed me up a bit.
0: Well, I would say you didn't really need to rely on your special ability too much. It almost, it was kind of like a bonus more than something you needed to use every turn.
2: But it made me so sad that I could like (laughs) hardly ever use
4: it. I was very disappointed.
0: Well, Ed got to use his ability every single time, almost, because and his wasn't that situational.
4: My special ability was uh, just, you know, if I was next to opponent, drain uh, a drain life. No, that's not your only ability you had. Everybody had uh, the ability of a preferred die.
2: No, Ed, what you had, baby, was free movement. You could grab that purple die and do anything you wanted
0: with it. Yeah, that's crazy. It costs everybody else a health to use that special wild card die, except for Ed. So he got that advantage of every turn looking for the wild card to
4: decide what she wanted to do.
2: Right. And some of us started with less health and more health. I wasn't confident that the balance was there.
4: Right. Well everybody else had a preferred die as well where they gained life. But I agreed that the die fade that was based on my preferred thing was just a little too good.
0: Because there was no real situation where you couldn't use it, whereas Celeste had a tough time finding the perfect situation to use her ability in.
3: And I never used mine once, so. Well,
4: you never selected your own preferred die?
3: I was knocked unconscious every other (laughs) turn. It was was my problem. But
2: the thing is, looking for a preferred die is tough when you're also trying to pick the perfect movement. So you basically have to limit yourself to lesser movements in order to grab your preferred die.
0: Makes it even more situational.
3: Okay, let me put it to you this way. Uh, who won the game? Ed, did you win the game? Yeah, Ed I won
0: by a couple of steps, yeah.
3: Ed, Ed once so you have to lap three times in order to win, mm-hmm. I did not complete my first lap.
1: Wow, that reminds, that reminds me of our game playing Keyforge. Oh, uh, we'll
0: get <laughs> we'll to
2: get that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So online, I saw some very cool paint jobs of the minis at Board Game Geek. I was surprised to learn like halfway through (laughs) that there's actually a person riding the Titan and you're actually playing the person. What did you guys think of that?
0: I thought it was a cool idea, although I did quickly forget that I was supposed to be a person riding on a Titan. I thought of myself as the Titan the entire time.
3: No, I I never thought of myself as a person on a Titan.
0: Yeah, it
2: just didn't seem to factor into the mechanics at all. I mean, if you're going to put a little guy up there... Do something about it.
1: Right. Well, I think the artistic point of doing that was that the Titans were so different from humans that if you wanted to actually sort of have your player represented by something that's showing, you know, excitement or frustration or whatever, then you'd want, you know, a human or human-like rider to sort of capture that.
2: I don't know about that. I mean, the Titans looked like they had emotions of their own to me in the art. You know, my guy was like this rooster (laughs) Like this giant titan rooster, which I thought was really cool. And I thought his power was really cool, which made me really want to use it, which was this thing where he sort of runs up the titan next to him
0: and bounds off of the guy's shoulder. I mean, I thought of him as more of a raptor than a rooster, but uh, whatever, (laughs) whatever's scary to you. I don't know.
4: (laughs) The giant
3: chicken of Bristol.
4: Yeah. (laughs) I thought the art was pretty well done because I looked at the art of all the guys and all the writers all have their own unique weapon too. Like one guy had a lamp, another guy had a lightning hammer.
2: Art was really nice in this game And, and the components were nice. The boards were pretty. Everything was great. And I did like the minis. They were very nice.
0: Yeah. The Kaiju they used in this reminded me a lot of the ones they used in King of Tokyo too. Like just big furry monster or the reptilian type one and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Titan Race. I am truly in suspense. Joe, how about you?
1: I had some rotten luck, but I was pretty entertained watching the other players. For me, it screams beer and pretzels, so it's not a heavy game. And if that's what you're looking for, dig this up.
2: Evan?
3: It had some features I liked, such as the special dice and the miniatures were very cool, but the race itself seemed to lack strategy and excitement. Uh, Getting my piece knocked around the board and falling unconscious every other turn does not make for the most enjoyable gaming experience, (laughs) so I'm going to
2: bury it.
4: Ed, how about you? The game's main mechanic is interesting and fun for a quick race game, but some of the balance seems to be off, and there's a limited number of power-up cards, so it may not hold up well over multiple plays. I'll keep it above ground for now, but I think I'll keep that shovel handy because I suspect I'll need to bury it. (laughs) Mike, how about you? (laughs) The
0: balance was a little bit off, it seemed, but it was mercifully short. Um, I might give this one another run or two just to check out some of the different terrain, but I have my doubts about its longevity. I'll dig it up for now.
2: I'm afraid the Titan race just didn't have enough of a thrill for me. So I am going to have to bury it on that lava pit circuit. Mike, where can you find this game?
0: Um, Last time I saw it, it was about 13 to 20 bucks online.
2: Oh, yeah. And Mike, we found our copy in the mystery box <gasps> that oh, Ed yeah. got.
0: <laughs> the mystery box of Infinite Wonders?
2: Yes. Yeah. The one so, we waited
4: several uh... weeks to open. The board game booster box. Yeah.
2: So Ed bought a board game booster box at PAX. Now, Ed, this is a box where you spend less than the value of all the games that are inside to get it, right? But you don't know what games are inside. Is that right?
4: That's correct. There are 50 bucks and the games are generally going to be worth at least 120 bucks in there because you get four different games in the box. And it's a mystery. You don't know what you get until you open it. So I can't wait to
2: play the rest of them. And speaking of which, we had to make Ed wait weeks to open it because we wanted to shoot Evan doing a video opening
4: Uh. it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it was for a good cause. These games are sold for a charitable cause, actually.
2: Oh, so these games are donated to the Booster Box?
4: Yes. This is for charity.
2: That's very cool. So we have our video of Evan opening up our box. Where can they see that, Ed?
4: Yeah, they can check it out on YouTube or we have it posted on our Facebook page. And if
2: you have thoughts about Titan Race, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And our next game up this week is Keyforge: Call of the Archons, designed by Richard Garfield, published by Fantasy Flight Games in 2018, number of players, two. Ages 14 and up, runtime, 45 minutes. Okay, initial observations on this find. Joe?
1: I was a little worried at first by the generic fantasy word Archon in the title.
2: And Evan, how about you?
1: Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield.
3: Isn't he that cat that eats lasagna?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mike, how about you?
0: A slick new deck builder by Richard Garfield? Yay! Wait, I can't actually build my deck? You better have a good explanation.
4: Ed, how about you? Okay, uh, the cards have no cost to play. No mana. No land to track. Play all the cards I want. Crazy. And kind of sounds awesome.
2: Another Richard Garfield game, and every deck is original. Hmm. Is there any way for this not to be impressive? But before we find out if it fulfills its prodigal destiny, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played.
3: In Keyforge, Call of the Archons, every deck is unique and one of a kind with its own archon and its own mixture of cards in the deck. In this first set, there are more than 104 quadrillion possible decks. I know, because I counted them. (laughs) (laughs) As your company's archon, you will use the creatures, technology, artifacts, and skills of a chosen house to reap precious ember, hold off your enemy's forces, and race to forge three keys to unlock the Crucible's vault. You begin your turn by declaring one of the three houses within your deck as your active house. And for the remainder of the turn, you may only play and use action, artifact, creature, and upgrade cards from that house. Notably, no card in Keyforge has a cost. You may play and use any number of cards from that house, leading to turns with a wave of activity. Strive to gain the advantage leveraging both the cards in your hand and those in play to race ahead of your opponent. You may send out your creatures to fight, matching strength against strength. Otherwise, you may have your followers reap, adding more amber to your pool. If you have six amber at the start of your turn, you'll forge a key and move on one step closer to victory. The first to forge three keys unlocks the vaults
0: and wins
1: the day. (laughs) (laughs) So it's
2: a face-off. One versus one.
0: Head to head. Just the way Richard Garfield likes it. Except
2: in Robo Rally.
0: No, he has a couple of games that aren't one-on-one, but Magic the Gathering is definitely a one-on-one type game. Oh, Ma- thank you, Magic the Gathering. That's where I heard <laughs> this name
4: before. Not the, Well, he might like lasagna, too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe another little game called Netrunner or something like that. <laughs> so tell me, guys, did it feel magic-y or did it really feel unique? It felt very different to me.
1: It's not just about wiping stuff out. There's no one behind it the cards in play with a list of, you know, hit points that you're trying to beat to death.
0: Right. Yeah, that, that is a different aspect to Although some of the mechanics and magic are still there and familiar, which makes the game accessible to people who have played it before. It still has its own kind of unique feel to it.
2: Right. I mean, Mike, when I watched you picking up the game uh, for the first mm-hmm. time with Ed, it was like uh-huh. you instantly got everything.
0: Oh, yeah. It took me no time at all to learn this game. I mean, I have a knack for card games to begin with, but also because I'm so familiar with a bunch of the mechanics.
2: Okay, so the mechanics are not particularly original here, but they are, what, arranged in a certain way that make it unique?
0: Well, the creature mechanics are similar to magic. Like, you know, they have certain abilities that work similarly. But, um, but the mechanics of the game overall, like your goal, is completely different.
4: Well, I mean, it's different. I mean, Magic had uh, both uh, power and toughness. This one's a little different. To every creature that had power and armor. So your power is mostly not also the amount of damage you do, but also the amount of hit points you have. Yeah, so kind of your power is your toughness. So as you
0: And you can whittle creatures down in this. In Magic, your creatures regenerate all their full health and everything at the beginning of the next turn.
4: So that's why it's not really the same. But I've seen other games, either your online card games or... I know some of the other newer card games have similar mechanics to this, but it seems to me like it combines a few elements of games I've seen elsewhere.
3: But with this game, with um Key Forge, what's happening is your goal is to get Amber to produce keys. That's it. So, do the other games that you're talking about have similar goals, as as sort of simple as that, or is it not as straightforward?
2: In Magic, you're just trying to wipe out the enemy.
0: Yeah, you're just trying to murder the guy in Magic. Yeah. <laughs> right,
3: right. So, that's what, I, that's what I thought. You're just trying right. to eliminate your opponent.
2: Yeah. A lot of your battle game, you
4: just try to kill your opponent.
2: But in this one, your opponent could still be alive at the end. It's just whoever gets the key yeah. to open up the vault, right? Right.
1: Oh, your opponent is pretty much guaranteed to be alive at the end, because... There's no way to hurt them.
3: That's right. You're throwing out creatures from these various factions, just trying to come up with combinations that produce as amber as quickly as possible.
1: I do like how you can have a tough unit come into play who is wounded for most of the game. I, mean, I, I think I had something come in with like nine, you know, toughness or whatever, and it got knocked down to seven right away, and I had to get more and more careful.
0: Oh yeah, the little guys can definitely drag the big guys down at oh, the yeah. time. It's not like one of those. Yeah, you don't drop one card on the table and say, game over. You know, this is the game winning card.
4: Yeah. Yeah, don't do that now.
1: Use this. Um, wait, wait.
4: <laughs> no. So don't do it. Finish it off. No. And get, yep. And a... and a steal? Yeah. Well, not it a steal or capture. Yeah. Well, that's what I think one of the other mechanics that's innovative about the game is you probably can play multiple cards in a turn. There's no costume. You say, do you have four cards of the faction that you want to play in your hand? Drop off four card down. Oh, that does
0: sound
1: cool. <laughs> and for that, you just look at the symbols on the cards.
0: I found it to be kind of cool, but also a little bit swingy for the game's balance. Because, mm. you know, you can draw your five best creatures from one faction in your yeah. first hand and just drop all five of them and get a huge lead.
3: I played against Joe and I did have a pretty solid opening hand in which I did that. I think I was able to play four or five of my six potential cards. Wow. And 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 built up amber pretty quickly. I got off to a quick start in the game. But
4: Joe started caught right up.
3: Yeah, he did, but uh, for a while there I was thinking, you know, am I going to is this going to be kind of a blowout? How how well are these are these decks matched to each other? Is there enough balance in
0: this game? It had me thinking that for a while.
2: Yeah, is is Evan going to do to Joe what Joe did to me in Star Realms? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh gosh. So the
0: decks are procedurally generated with kind of a uh I guess they have an algorithm to make the decks At least seem balanced. Let's talk
2: a little bit about that algorithm that makes a unique deck every single time you buy a deck. It's never been arranged before in the exact same way.
4: Yep. That's the other unique thing about this game. The technology finally allows uh, something that couldn't be done 20 or maybe even 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Decks are printed on demand and each one is unique. It's just
2: fascinating.
3: With a unique name.
4: They have a unique leader, too.
2: It doesn't mean that the cards don't repeat through decks. The same cards can pop up in each deck. That's not to say each card is unique, but Mm -hmm. the deck arrangement of all the cards together is unique.
0: They fuse together three different factions, and there's a bunch of factions they could possibly be from. And within each of those factions, the amount of different cards of a type... Will be different so that's how you get all those different possibilities
1: and i think the balancing is done house to house as opposed to the final product of of water of what's in a deck that has three houses
2: oh that's interesting
1: and you know what An- another bonus that's that's a really nice touch i like about this game is if you turn your card over there is a list of every card that's in your deck.
4: Every deck is 36 cards. or 12 cards from three different factions.
2: Oh, that is cool.
4: And, and it actually has a QR code on your identity card. Where if you, you know, take the, the picture of your QR code, it'll give you the exact composition of your deck. Let's talk about the popularity of this
2: game. It is by Fantasy Flight Games, who is who have already wildly popular Star Wars cards games um, and some other games that are really popular. They have world championships for all of their games that run separately throughout the year. Keyforge is new, so mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. an opportunity here to get on the ground floor if you want to be competitive with it. They don't have a championship yet. They are set to have their first Key Forge World Championship in 2020.
4: Yeah, they have a, a new season just opening up. Uh, I think it started uh, January 22nd, I think.
0: And uh, the barrier for entry is great in this game because your deck is pre-generated. You don't have yes. to save up all your money and buy special cards to yeah. try to win. $10 is all you need to get a deck
4: and that's it.
1: That's great. That is what's
2: very attractive about this game.
1: Yeah, You don't have to spend days going from store to store looking for rares.
4: (laughs) And you don't have to try to build a deck.
0: Ah, well, that's what I miss, though. I love creating a deck. Part of the problem with not building your own deck is that the computer is deciding what cards to put together, and you're not deciding on synergy. Because in Magic or games like that, you say, oh, even though this card is garbage in some decks, it's great in this deck because it has synergy with the other cards.
4: All right, well, I think what I, uh, one of the designer notes uh, I read, which I think is pretty good, cool, says that while I enjoyed constructing or drafting decks, I'm often longing to play cards that were not powerful enough to compete with these in format. So, when he's saying playing with sealed and limited decks, these can often become viable, since you can, can't just replace them with the top tier cards. And I find that a special pleasure in winning. A game using cards that many people ignore or just overlook. Interesting. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of cool about this game is what you're trying to do is learn how to drive your deck well.
2: This is a game that rewards you more for learning the mechanics of the game than getting the best cards for the game. If I were a regular player of this game, one of my main strategies would be to constantly swap decks with my friends to Mm -hmm. learn all the different, you know, to learn how to maneuver different decks and get good at just playing a fresh deck. You can actually qualify uh, for the World Championships at a lot of local gaming stores. That's another thing I love about Fantasy Flight Games.
4: They do a very good organized play, yes.
2: They do. You can go right to their website, look online to see at their website which stores in your area are hosting organized play and just go from there. You can also qualify at certain conventions, So you can, and it's all right there on their website.
4: I think, I think you might uh, enjoy one of the game formats they suggested in the rules, which was you bring a deck for your opponent to play.
2: Ah, yeah, I would love that. That would be
4: fun. Well, everybody's looking for the worst deck to bring to the table. Yeah, so tro- you basically end up playing the worst deck against what somebody else thought I was the worst that. deck and trying to win. There you go.
0: I was going to suggest, like, maybe switch decks, like, halfway, you know, like, play two rounds of one deck, two rounds of the other deck. Yeah, just you know, keep
2: swapping decks. Yeah. That's
1: an interesting yeah. thought.
2: Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Keyforge. Joe, how about you?
1: While the game itself is challenging, the learning curve is not too steep. That's why I'm digging it up.
2: Evan?
3: Having never played Magic the Gathering and hearing about some of the inherent flaws of that game, it sounds like perhaps they were addressed somewhat in KeyForge. I liked how it played. I felt no inherent issues with the game, so there's no reason for me not to dig it up.
0: Mike, how about you? There seems to be lots of interesting possibilities here. I love the uniqueness of each deck, and I want to see what else randomly generated decks have to offer, so I'm going to have to dig this
4: up. Ed? Another Richard Garfield game. If you like his other game, you probably should dig this up. If you haven't heard of him, I'll skip the obvious question, and just ask if you like other battle card games. Dig this up. Haven't tried games before because you don't have the time and energy to build a deck. Then just get this game, dig it up, and play.
2: Well, sadly, I did not get a chance to play this game, but I
4: absolutely want to try it, and I totally will. Ed, where can you find it? You may find this game at your local gaming store or online shop. The game's release has been hugely popular, so some stores may be waiting for a restock. The starter set comes with two starter decks, two unique decks, and tokens, MSRP 40 bucks, or you can just get one of their Archon decks for just 10 bucks. If you have thoughts about Keyforge,
2: let us know. We are at which game first on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Dracula's Feast, designed by Peter C. Hayward, published by Jellybean Games in 2017. Number of players four to eight, ages 10 and up, runtime 10 to 15 minutes. Okay, initial observations on this find, Evan?
3: Perhaps the most ironic thing about this game is that you do not have to know how to count.
4: Oh, Oh, no, Evan! (laughs) Ed, how about you? Social deduction games can be fun, and this one doesn't need a narrator.
1: Mike? A whodunit with classic monsters. Okay, why not? Joe? Social accusation games can be fun, but I'm always concerned that some of them need more organization.
2: So Dracula is having a party, and it's a masquerade? Oh wait, is Alucard invited? Oh boy, boy, I hate that guy.
1: Talk about a buzzkill.
2: Yeah, but before we RSVP, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played.
3: In this party game, there's one classic Monster ID card per player, and each card has a role with a unique ability. Each turn, while your monster is at the party, you get to take an action, like asking another player if they are a certain monster, or dance with another monster to reveal identities to one another. Finally, a player who believes they've collected enough information can accuse... That's where they will reveal themselves and announce who they think each player's monster is. But accusing is made extra tricky by the addition of a mystery guest who is not played by anyone, but is represented by a character card laid down in the middle of the table. If the accuser guesses all identities correctly, including that mystery guest, they win.
2: So it's a classic, um, guess the identity of everybody else there kind of game.
0: Yeah, a like social deduction situation. Yep. Who done it? Are you
4: a werewolf? Yeah, it's,
0: it has some similarities to that game.
2: I liked the art with this game. I think it's an important part of what makes this game interesting. It's an Edward Gorey style art, which I've always been a fan of. And it's that old fashionedy kind of thing that you'd see at like the beginning of PBS's mystery theater.
0: Kitschy old art from like <laughs> back in the days of yore. It's cool. It gives you the right feel that this game is going to be like fun and quick.
2: Uh, I liked the artist a lot. I just did. She, she really tickled my fancy. And her name is Tanya Walker. I saw one of her other games, which I think is also by Jill, published out by Jellybean. And it's called The Lady and the Tiger. I would recommend people check that out too, because I really enjoyed the art on that as well. Uh, so I liked that there were two different size cards in this game. I thought that helped sort of separate things where the identity cards were nice and big. And that's what we had to guess. And then there were these smaller
4: cards. The other thing I like is they included uh, a bunch of the envelopes so you can actually hide your identity in the envelope. It's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, it felt RSVP-ish.
0: Yeah, so if you're dancing with somebody across the room, you just slide it into the envelope and then pass it all the way across the table instead of having a chance of revealing it.
3: Yeah, and that's what uh, the game Clue used to have. They had an envelope, and I always oh, liked that yeah. mechanic. Yeah, I remember that. Yep, yep. I love envelopes.
4: Well, I mean, I that's the thing. You can have the uh, your card in your in your envelope. You don't have to have a table necessary to keep a face down on true
2: i i did really enjoy the uh added trickery of alucard which is (laughs) dracula backwards and it's a one of the characters from the party and he always says he's dracula even when he's not
0: what a wannabe yeah
3: oh he's desperately trying to be dracula you feel bad for him in a certain way
0: so it's funny to look at alucard he looks kind of like dracula on the card so he looks like he's trying to pretend to be dracula
3: there's a limitation in this game, a serious one for me. You're all pl- All right. So you, you're these monsters. You're at a ball. You're playing. I mean, the I had to suppress every role playing instinct inside of me to not give away who the hell I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so yeah. frustrating yeah. that here you are, all these great characters and the voices and the mannerisms, everything you
0: think should come into it. You can't do any of it.
2: Yeah, that's. That is a
0: disappointment. Well, some characters get revealed earlier in the game, so then you can kind of start being your real self. At that point, <laughs> at that point yes, once yeah. the cat's out of the bag. Of but, course, but the game's pretty much over once people start revealing their, their cards.
2: Well, in our case, it certainly was. I think a four-player game is... A little bit problematic uh, for the mechanics of this. It's definitely a party game. It works, I think, much better with more people because it's just
4: too short and too easy to guess everybody when there's only four. Yeah,
0: four is the bare minimum. Yeah,
4: it it didn't really work. I mean, I didn't even get a second turn. I got one turn.
1: I like the special ability of each character, particularly the the different victory conditions for some of them.
0: Yeah, some of them just have to reveal Dracula only and they win the game that way.
4: Or just be accused. I, Alucard, his objective is to be accused...
0: Of being Dracula. That is a win for him. He's
4: like, yeah, that's right, I'm Dracula.
0: I win. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you're asked to dance, you don't have to dance, except if you're the werewolf, you must dance.
0: So the werewolf has to pretend he really wants to dance when he's secretly like trading identities with somebody?
4: Well, he's not the only one. The zombie must accept all dance requests. You cannot oh, request right? dances. You only accuse your neighbors, and you... Uh, win if you are correct.
0: Oh, you only have to accuse your two neighbors, and if you correctly get those two, you win? That's great. Oh, I thought that asking somebody to dance was a cool mechanic that I hadn't seen in any other like social uh, deduction type game, where you trade information with yeah. somebody else. Shall we dance? Everyone likes to dance. Mm. dance fun. Ed, shall we
2: dance? <laughs> we need the same advantage. <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we need the same <laughs> advantage. <laughs> oh, so that's it. Right? It's that's the end it. Of my turn. He asked me if he wants to dance, and he said no. That yeah, it's going to
2: cool. work a lot better with eight players than than four. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
2: Because if you do it with four, the first person to do it has a distinct advantage. There's an expansion for this game called Cthulhu and Friends.
0: Everybody's jumping on the Cthulhu bandwagon, yeah,
2: of course, because it's now public domain. It's open.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, I'd accept an RSVP from Dracula. I don't know that I'd do the same knowing Cthulhu and his buddies were going to be there.
0: Yeah, Cthulhu's all slimy. Ja- Dracula's at least kind of charming. And, you know, even if you do get sucked into his web, it's not such a bad way to go.
3: Yeah, and you'll know there'll be no garlic in the dip. So yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least there's that. There's
4: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is cool is they're working on a second edition called Dracula's Feast New Blood that's uh, just launched in January. You can back it right now. Okay, cool.
2: Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Dracula's Feast.
0: Mike? I want to give this game another chance just because it went by too quickly. Uh, it was fun to play, so I'd say dig it up for now.
2: Evan, how about you?
3: Yeah, it's a party game best played with close to the maximum amount of players. Um assuming you like your games to last more than 10 minutes. I'm going to have to bury it, because the temptation to roleplay your creature is too great. And, you know, I mean, this game effectively forbids role playing. That's a tough limitation for me to overcome.
4: Yeah. Ed, how about you? It seemed to be a fine variation on a werewolf-style game, and if you like those, you should dig this up and try it. It's probably better for the larger group, though. Joe, how about you?
1: I like the special abilities of each character, and I'm looking forward to playing it. <laughs>
4: This is
2: a super cute party game. You know, I was charmed by the art. It has a lot of style points. I don't know how much mileage you could get out of it, you know, after playing one or two times, but one way around that would be to have uh, more new people invite me to different parties than I could bring it around. And for that reason, I'm going to say dig it up. Joe, where can you find this, this game?
1: This game is currently unavailable, so your best bet may be to back the Kickstarter online for the second edition running now.
2: And if you have thoughts about Dracula's Feast, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at WitchGameFirst, Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at WitchGameFirst Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers!
3: Good evening.
1: Blah, blah, blah.
4: No, I'm really Dracula, honest.
1: <laughs> Maybe we have to break everything to make something better out of ourselves.